Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. American culture is at a crossroads. I'm Kira Davis, and in my new book, Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas, I challenge conservative Americans to stop retreating from the culture. I help you think critically through the pressing cultural issues of our day and offer practical advice and solutions. It's time for conservatives to make themselves uncomfortable and get engaged, get inspired, get moving, and get winning. Pick up a copy of my book, Drawing Lines, available on Amazon at Faithful Text dot com or wherever books are sold. This is the FCB Podcast Network. I pray the Lord my soul today that we won't stay, then we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't stay, it's gonna be okay. I pray the Lord my soul today That we won't stay, then we won't stay All we got is us, no one can take that away So don't stay, it's gonna be okay Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis I am your host Kira Davis and this is the podcast where we take hot button issues, hot topics, and we discuss the talking points on those issues. And we draw those talking points all the way out to their logical conclusion. So this is a, a, a podcast in persuasion. 
It is a podcast in critical thinking. And I know what I promised for this week, but (laughs) something else has come up. So my whiteboard is flipping around a little bit. And what came up this weekend while I was away, by the way, I'll start with this. I was at the uh, Babylon Bee live show this past weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. I was honored enough to be invited as one of their most returned podcast guests. I was one of their very early podcast guests, definitely not the first, but like a very early podcast guest years ago when they still, it was just three guys in one room. And, um, and I've been on, back off and on. I've maintained my friendship with those guys and they've been so supportive and they invited me to be on their live podcast at the Babylon Bee. I was so honored. I mean, honestly, I was telling Kyle when I was there, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like they have, they can have anybody. They've interviewed Elon Musk. They interview movie stars. They interview a huge political stars. They interview the most interesting people, people who write books. And well, I guess I do write books, but not, in, not like heady academic bestsellers. <laughs> and although if you want to go get my book, please go to amazon.com and look up drawing lines by Kira Davis. But, um, And they could have anybody and they were like, well, we want you to be a part of our live podcast at the live show. And I just was so taken aback by it. I really didn't expect it. So I went out there. They did a whole show, by the way. It wasn't just the podcast. We did a short version of a of a podcast on stage. And then they had some sketches. If you've seen the the Californians moved to Texas sketch. They did some live sketches. They did some panel discussions. They did, uh, and then they they just had fun. And then they played like some video packages. And there were well over fifteen hundred people there in the audience. Some had come from all the way across the country. I, I, there were people there from Florida. Uh, people there who had. There were people who had driven from Michigan to Texas. There was I met a man who drove from Illinois to Texas to see the show. I mean, people were so thrilled to be there. The atmosphere was electric. I was so inspired and I just had the best time. I had the best time meeting the Babylon Bee fans. Um, and shout out to Austin. I was so honored to meet you, Austin. And now I have a face to put to the name. And um, your generous spirit and your kind spirit, Austin, is much appreciated. And I had I had a great time. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I I am so grateful and honored to have been invited. And so, thank you to the guys from the Babylon Bee. I think if you uh, check out their YouTube channel, I imagine they'll be playing the event at a later date. Um sharing it with people who want who didn't get to go to the show and I'm hoping that they're planning more. It was a great time. I finally got to meet Seth Dillon. I had never met him in person and I met his family and it was just what more can I say? Truly truly honored to to be there and I met just the most wonderful fans and and friends. I hate to use the word fans. It sounds sounds weird. It makes people sound weird, you know, but I met very lovely people who I enjoyed talking to and I enjoyed getting to know. And I was just so moved by their commitment to fighting for this culture and to having fun. My goodness, 
We need to have more fun, don't we, people? Anyways, shout out to the Babylon Bee and all the fam there and everybody who showed up had a great time. So we were really in a bubble while we were doing it. The show was incredibly hard to put on and I just was a guest. I didn't have to do all of the arranging and and planning. I just got to go and show up and they had this huge crew of, of professionals, a professional stage crew setting up this event. They had a stage manager, Ashley. She was amazing. Uh, and I didn't have to do much. And even I was wiped out by the time, you know how I do though. You guys, I like, I love going around and talking to people. I love getting to know people. So, you know, that's exactly what I did while I was there. I spent the entire time talking. I'm just getting my voice back. And so we were in a bubble and I came home to Scott Adams trending on Twitter and I thought, well, I love Scott Adams. He is a fellow locals user. Um, he's he's one of the people that really helped push locals into the stratosphere. He's, uh, of course, he is the um, creator of Dilbert Comics. And he kind of got, quote, canceled a few years ago for not being woke enough. He's not a conservative I don't think he describes himself as one. I think he calls himself a liberal. Uh, but he, I can't, and I, I honestly can't even remember what they canceled him for. Maybe he said something nice about Trump. I can't remember, but. So he was trending and I, on Twitter. And so I, I clicked on that button that the, the trending button gets me. Okay. It's made for me like slot machines, all those, all those bells and whistles, the noises and the lights, they make them for idiots like me. They make the trending sidebar for idiots like me on Twitter. And I clicked on him and I couldn't quite suss out what had happened. Now there's a lot of talk about Scott Adams, uh, Dilbert comics dropped from X magazine and X, X newspaper for racist comments from Scott Adams. And my first thought was, Oh, uh, somebody still prints Dilbert? Because I thought everybody in America dropped him the last time he got canceled. <laughs> I was pretty sure that's why he moved over to locals that Dilbert wasn't being published anywhere. So I was pleasantly surprised to discover, oh, no, that was, a, a, of course, an over-the-top media story. He was still being published in the papers. So now most or a lot of of the places where he was publishing Dilbert have dropped the comic. Of course, I know better than to believe a headline that says somebody got dropped for racist comments, right? I know I need to go find what the racist comments were. And so that's what I did. I went to his timeline. I, I read the responses on Twitter and I honest to goodness could not make heads or tails out of it. No one was explaining what he said. Like, if there was a line, you know, if he said something like, oh, that N word or something like that, that would have been a quote. I would have seen a clip of a video. I, I couldn't find anything. I, I kept finding responses, but I didn't have anyone. I didn't see anyone quoting what Adam said. And this is a 
trend among progressive media these days where they tell you they frame it the right they put a comment in context for you and then give you the headline on the comment but they don't share the comment it's something they started to do with trump and then they do it now they do it for all their stories because i think instinctually the progressive journalists know that half the things they're canceling people for are idiotic so I saw a lot of Scott Adams makes racist comment, but I didn't, I wasn't seeing the comment. Finally dug through Twitter to find a clip of a video that someone posted. And he was saying that he had read this Rasmussen poll, which we wrote about at Red State, that said 60% of black people don't think it's okay to be white or harbor resentment towards white people or something like that and he was commenting on it and basically what he was saying was well let me play the let me play the clip for you so i want to recap what he said i don't i don't want to play it because i am going to play you the the his comments in their full context Basically, what he said was that he uh, he called black people a hate group and he said he didn't want to be a part of a hate group. He was quoting the study and he was telling white people, if this is how black people feel about you, then you should get away from them. Just just don't bother with them anymore. Just go far away. Be kind. Be nice. Mind your own business. But there's no point in trying to help people who don't want you around something like that. And I think it's pretty obvious on its face why people, especially in this era of political discourse, would find those comments objectionable, especially when they're delivered in a two-minute clip. That being said, I have to say my first reaction was, oh, this is a bit shocking. But here's the thing that I have learned to do. And I, I learned this during the Trump era because every other day something came out about Trump, which was like, this is the end of Trump. There's no way people can support Trump after this. He's gone and done it. He said this thing. He said that black people are the worst or he said that women should just be making babies and dinners. And and um, and I would always go to the clips and it wouldn't be that at all. It would just be. He would be saying something maybe inartfully, but people would interpret it differently, obviously. But a lot of the times, my first reaction would be to go watch the clip. Second reaction would be instead of being emotionally triggered by whatever it was he said, instead of, or I shouldn't say triggered, but rather instead of thinking of it through an emotional filter, what I would do is I would ask myself, is it true? Is what he's saying true? Because a lot of times Trump would say things and if you just were looking at it through an emotional lens, you'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. that it's so awful. But then when you ask, well, you dig in, well, is it true what he said? Then sometimes it was true what he was saying. And so I decided to do that with Scott Adams. I will say this. I don't know anything about Scott Adams. I know he writes the Dilbert com comics. I know he has a huge following on Locals. I know that when he got canceled, he really became an interesting figure on the right, even though I'm almost certain he's not a conservative or wouldn't call himself a conservative. 
Almost. But again, I'm not sure. I don't live. He does a coffee chat every day, I think, or a few times a week. I, I don't know anything. I don't watch his stuff. I don't watch his coffee chat every day. It's nothing like that. I don't, I don't have anything to do with, with that. I don't, I don't watch. So I don't know what kind of a character he is. I mean, if I'm going to contextualize a lot of Trump stuff, it's like I know Trump, right? I know what kind of guy he is. I've watched him for years and years. Um, you you kind of know his personality. I don't know anything about Scott Adams's personality or what kind of shtick he does or like what his angle is when he's talking to people. No idea. But I went, so finally I'm like, well, let me see if I can watch this video. And he had the whole video on his YouTube page. And I went to find the video and I said, I'm going to watch the whole thing in context. And then I'm going to ask myself, is what he is saying true? I'm not going to, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to immediately jump to conclusions. I'm going to ask myself, setting aside the racist filter, like as soon, I'm not going to look at this clip or look at this video through the filter of this guy's a racist. I'm going to look at it through the filter of I want to dissect exactly what he's saying and decide from there. Then I went to find his video and I thought that watching the whole thing, I suspected watching the whole thing would change the context for me and it would add some illumination. So I'm going to offer you the same chance if you haven't heard what he said. Maybe you've only seen the little clip. So I want you to sit back for a moment. It's about 10 minutes or so. Um, and listen to what he had to say in this section of his daily podcast. So we'll just drop something there and take care of that. I don't, I don't even want to think about it because it's so awful. Uh, well, Rasmussen poll uh, had a uh, provocative little poll today. They said, uh, do you agree or disagree with the statement, uh, it's okay to be white? That was an actual question. Rasmussen asked, you know, white and black voters, and and probably others, uh, do you disagree or agree with the statement it's okay to be white? Twenty-six percent of blacks said uh, no. It's not okay to be white. Twenty-one percent weren't sure. Add them together, that is forty-seven percent of black respondents we're not willing to say it's okay to be white. That, that actually, that's like a real poll. This just happened. Did you have any idea? <laughs> would, would you have imagined that that could have happened? So I realized, um, as you know, I've been identifying as black for a while, years now, because I, like, you know, I like to be on the winning team. And I like to help. And I, I always thought, well, if you help the black community, that's sort of the biggest lever. You know, you, could, you can find the, the biggest benefit. So I thought, well, that's the hardest thing and the biggest benefit. So I'd like to focus a lot of my life resources in helping black Americans. So much so that I started identifying as black to just be on the team I was helping. But it turns out that nearly half of that team 
uh, doesn't think uh, I'm okay to be white, which is, of course, why I identified as black, because so I could be on the winning team for a while. But I have to say, uh, this is the first political poll that ever changed my activities. I don't know that that's ever happened before. Normally, you see a poll, you just look at it, and you go, ah, whatever. <laughs> you know, oh, this is interesting what other people think. But as of today, I'm going to re-identify as white because I don't want to be a member of a hate group. I'd accidentally joined a hate group. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. Right? This can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where you know, I have a very low black population. Because unfortunately, the, you know, there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon when, when he notes that the, when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live and who's there. So I I think it makes no sense whatsoever as a uh, white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. It doesn't make sense. It is no longer a rational impulse. And so I'm going to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like, I've been doing it all my life, and I've been... The only outcome is I, be, I get called a racist. That's the only outcome. <laughs> it makes no sense to help black Americans if you're white. Uh, the, the, it's over. Don't, don't even think it's worth trying. Totally not trying. Now, we should be friendly. Like, I'm not saying start a war or, you know, do anything bad. Nothing like that. I'm just saying get away. Just get away. And here's my take on all of it. Everybody who focuses uh, their priority on education does well. If, If anybody in the black community focuses on education, they'll do well as well, because the the system allows that. If they don't, I can't make that my problem anymore. It just can't be my problem. It can't be my problem if the solution is so clear, so available, and people don't want to take it. It's just not my problem anymore. So I resign. I resign from the hate group called Black Americans, according to the Rasmussen poll. 46% of them don't think white people are okay. Just being white. And there we go. You didn't expect that today, did you? (laughs) But the most helpful thing I can do is to say I'm not going to help. Do you understand that? Continuing to help 
in, in that sort of you know, classic, oh, let me help you, give you a, you know, a lift up, give you a hand, you know, mentor you, hire you, prefer you. I'm going to stop all of that. I'm done with all of that. Yeah, no. It didn't work. The only thing that will work is to say, you've got to fix your own problem. You know, how, you know how to do it. Everybody else figured it out. I'm not going to speculate you know, why you're not doing it. I'm not going to speculate why there's a difference. I'm just going to say it's available to everybody. Just pick it up. It's free money. Focus on education, and you could have a good life too. But those who don't want to focus on education, you just need to get away from them. Just get as much distance as you can. That's my recommendation. Um, And I'm also really sick of seeing video after video of black Americans beating up non-black citizens. Um, You know, I realize it's anecdotal, and it doesn't give me a, a full picture of what's happening, but every damn day I look on social media and there's some black person beating the shit out of some white person. I'm kind of over it. I'm over it. Right? So I, I quit. Um, and it feels good not to be in a racist uh, hate group anymore. So I'm now independent. Not a member of any group. I do not align with any group. Not the white supremacists and not the black um, racists. All right. Um, Christopher uh, Rufo reports. Okay, so that was Scott Adams. And now that you've heard his his comments in the full context, uh, we can move forward. Now, I'll, I, the only way I know how to move forward with this is to tell you what I thought as I was listening to this. So after I listened to it, I did my whole thing where I'm like, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to look at this through an emotional lens. Um, is is what he is saying true? I'm going to actually break that down. There are some things I think that he, he is speaking some truth. But I will say um, when I finished listening to it, I thought, yeah, I... I don't, I'm not quite sure what he just said. <laughs> I really wasn't clear. I, I honestly wasn't. I, when I, if I just step outside of it, it wasn't like what he said was blatantly racist. It really, it really wasn't. If you think about it, he wasn't going, black people are gross. Like he was citing this study, right? And he was saying, hey, black people don't want to be around white people, according to the study. So let's leave him alone. I mean, uh, maybe it's rude, or maybe it's wrong. I mean, I do think it's wrong. And I'll, I'll explain why. But um, if my definition of what would be racist is a lot different than what he said. What was what he said right to say? That's something different. Was it racist? I don't know. I wasn't clear enough to me. It honestly wasn't because as I was listening to him, I was thinking because in the beginning he talked about and he and close at the end he talked about how you know how I have I've been identifying as a black American. So to me that says that there's some other shtick that he's got going on that a regular listener would know. 
and and he's talking to his listeners and so i don't know what he means by that is that supposed to be funny is it is it some kind of inside joke that he's been talking about i i, I don't know and and he talks about how i'm not well i'm not going to be a part of that hate group anymore um you know i was like maybe there's some other context within just the broader context of his show his regular show i don't know i still wasn't clear i i was very clear on why the progressive magazines and why the progressive publications canceled him because these days it seems like just even if you just mention race or acknowledge race as a white person unless you're you're talking about your own white privilege and how you don't want it the words that come out of your mouth will be labeled as racist it seems like that seems like even just the mention of race by people who aren't black would it is qualified as as racism Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50, and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50 percent off. Eating better has never been easier. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle and FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. So it didn't surprise me that he got canceled. It didn't surprise me that people were uproarious about it. But what surprised me when I was listening to it is that I still didn't have clarity on his remarks. I've never, I've not known Scott Adams for the little I know about him to be bombastic or racist or incendiary. Um, people have labeled him racist, but I think that's because he came out in support of Donald Trump, I think. And so we all know how I feel about that. That's just a ridiculous label. I usually just ignore people when they get like that. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I honestly didn't know what to think. I thought I need more clarity. I need to hear him explain this. I want to hear him explain these remarks. So I went to his feed. I didn't really see any explanations that, added more detail or context or clarity to these remarks. All he kept saying was, tell me what I said that was racist. He kept saying that and no one would answer. I mean, he, and then he kept saying, no one's answering me. And I was looking through his feed and no one really was answering the question, but that's all he kept saying. Well, then I found an interview that he did with YouTube interviewer, um, personality, Hotep Jesus. He also was on Sonny John. He did a Twitter space with Sonny Johnson, I guess that night. And I didn't um, listen to that one. I haven't heard it, but I did go to Hotep's page and him and Scott had a fascinating two hour discussion. It's Hotep H O T E P. For those of you who don't know what Hotep is Hotep Jesus. And um, he maybe one of the, actually one of the best interviews of anybody I've seen in a while. I, I don't listen to a lot of Hotep. I don't like look at his stuff a lot. And now I see why he has over 80,000 subscribers. He was a really good interviewer. In fact, it almost hurt my feelings to watch him because he was such a skilled interviewer. I wish I could be as precise as him. But it was it was an excellent Hotep is black. If you can figure that out, it was an excellent discussion and interview very respectful and I think it did add a lot of clarity that I didn't have before I don't want to replay too much of it I want you to go to Hotep's page and watch the whole thing for yourself they covered a lot of issues not just even this uh, controversy but uh, here is one little clip that caught my attention earlier on in the interview. Um, let's play this. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this question because you 
maybe you can uh, educate me. My understanding is that they all have at the base of their narrative that white people, mostly white men, have uh, created a situation and continue to perpetuate one that's bad for black people. Is that a fair statement? Yes. So what would be the most natural way you would feel if the narrative from the media, from college, from high school, your teachers, your parents, if the media was very, um, let's say, cohesive and it said white people are the problem, do you think that would affect how people, how black people thought about white people? Yes. Would it have any effect? Yes. And, and assuming it's a negative effect, would that, would it be reasonable for somebody to say, wait, there's this group of people, I don't have any problem with any individual and I don't want to change the constitution, right? Right. Everybody's got to be treated equally, but it's a little bit smarter for me to stay away from a group who has been brainwashed to dislike me exactly, like me exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a rich white guy in America. I, I'm, I'm very much right in the center of those crosshairs. Now, does that mean that I think everybody should avoid their neighbor? No. Does that mean I'm never going to talk to a black person? No. Does that mean I won't hire black people? No. Doesn't mean any of that. And also, I assume people know hyperbole when they see it, right? <laughs> You know, when I say stay away from black people, anybody who thought that was like a literal, like, yeah, yeah, all black people, if you see one coming, run, run. <laughs> like, the, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a test that I like to give for fake news where, where you just say the thing that's in the news and then you follow it with the words, really? Really? Do you think that happened? Do you, do you think that I went on, you know, a live stream and said, stay away from black people, every one of them. There's no exceptions. Whatever you do, just ask yourself, do, was there any thinking behind it? Yeah, was, was there maybe a, a why to that that you haven't heard yet? If you heard it in context, would you disagree with it? And the answer is, I haven't seen anybody disagree. So I have, I have, seen, I have seen disagreement. I, I don't see anybody disagreeing with you should avoid any groups of people who are likely to have negative opinions uh, about you on average. What I saw a lot of disagreement on, and I, I, I agree with this criticism, is that the Rasmussen poll that I was looking at, the original thing that started it, said that something like close to half of all black Americans who were polled were unwilling to say that it's, quote, okay to be white. Now, I heard you criticizing that, and your criticism was right on. The, the nature of the question is that it will be interpreted differently by people, and maybe they're not even answering the same question as the other people in their minds. So, so I would agree that the, the data is not good. But honestly, um, anybody who's watched me for a while knows that my primary act, at least on social media and, and live stream, is doubting polls doubting experts, doubting the science, and doubting any leadership or government person. Now, there, there's a 4chan hoax that all of my uh, pandemic opinions are the opposite of what they were. So so there, there's there's a version of me online that's the opposite of what I just said, but that's, you know, a 4chan hoax. Um, anyway, so I forgot what I was saying. Okay, so let's break that down. Um... I do agree 
on the separation of people part, right? Um, as a former extreme black nationalist, I even still today tell black people, you know, if you want to do better, you could work together and we can pull ourselves um, out of this problem by group economics, right? Is one thing you'll hear uh, consistently throughout uh, black nationalist conversations. But I want to come back to the point of your hyperbole. I understood when I first heard it, you saw me crack up. I knew it was hyperbole. I knew what you were doing, but I got to tell you, the optics were dangerous, Scott. The optics <laughs> of it, and, um, and I want to know what you think about this because you're a huge personality. You have a ton of history um, behind you, your brand, Dilbert. Um, and what you say, as you can see, uh, affects the fabric of America. It's going to send ripples through the culture. So when you say that, I think in some ways you understand that some people are going to know you're being hyperbolic, but you also know it's going to trigger a lot of people. You don't of think course. that you don't think what you chose to do was irresponsible. Oh, there's a good question. Was it irresponsible? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, let, let me ask it this way. Um, it, there was a purpose to it. If you didn't know the purpose to it, it would look that way. So any, anybody who didn't know why I did it, that would be a reasonable interpretation. Yes. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. Um, another great segment by Hotep, he really asked a lot of all the right questions. So he said when he, Hotep said when he saw Scott Adams say that, he laughed. He said he knew what Scott Adams was doing. But I felt when he was asking him the question, he was talking exactly about someone like me. I didn't know what he was doing. I've never listened, sat and listened to an entire Scott Adams video ever. I may have seen clips when he got canceled and I love Dilbert, but you know, I've never, and I know that he's a popular figure on locals where I have a page also. Uh, but I, I didn't know what he was doing. So Hotep seemed like, like he knew and then he was okay with it. And Scott Adams seemed like he knew what he was doing and he knew the people who knew what he was doing would be okay with it. But then he also admits that if you didn't know what he was doing, yeah, it would look crazy. It would look incendiary. It would look like it's 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 a some kind of like a dog whistle to rile up the the white supremacists or whatever. And later on in their conversation, Hotep does talk about how some online white supremacist groups got a hold of that statement from him and then that started it started making the rounds and they started being using it as as inspiration you know they were excited about it and so that's what hotep means when he says don't you think that what you said was dangerous and so i don't know if scott's explanation adds more context to you it added more context for me and it's kind of it kind of was what i was thinking right it was, his explanation made me go okay yeah that that makes more sense just knowing the little that i do about him he doesn't seem to be some kind of blatant racist so him him basically what he was saying is this and he goes on to say it more in different points in the interview i was being provocative look i'm trying to i'm trying to 
have a discussion here and no one's brave enough to step up and say the hard things that is going to get people talking. So I said the hard thing. And now look, we're talking. And if you take away the emotion, right, because you could be listening to this right now and you could be going the heart. He said the hard thing. Yeah, the hard thing that he said was he hates black people. But that wasn't what he said. That's emotion talking. Now I'm going to dig into what he said. He quoted the Rasmussen poll. Now, the Rasmussen poll, the, this is another thing he said in the interview with Hotep too. He said, a lot of people have pointed out to me that the Rasmussen poll wasn't a fair poll to judge black people on. It was a small sample. I mean, honestly, I think it was like less than 100 people. It was a small sample um, polls. I don't find that to be discouraging. Polls work on sampling. Um, it was... Uh, you know, there may be issues with Rasmussen. Some people don't think Rasmussen is a very reputable polling outlet anymore. Um, there's that going on. I don't know enough about what's going on at Rasmussen or even I don't even know enough of the science of polling to tell you whether or not you can depend on this Rasmussen poll as being exact or right on. I do know that I don't find it that hard to believe that 46% of people responding, of black people responding to a survey would say that they don't think it's okay to be right. I also don't find it hard to believe that a polling question like that might be a little bit skewed. <laughs> it might be a little bit vague. And so people aren't always sure what they're answering on a polling question. That happens too. Right. You'll get a polling question. I, I I was answering some polling questions during election season and I stopped doing it because the questions got to be so crazy. I'm like, this isn't an honest poll. Uh, I would be asked a question about homelessness and the question would be, do you believe that homeless people deserve a roof over their heads? You know, now. Now, I can say yes to that. Like, of course, I want homeless people to have a roof over their heads. But the but the poll is about what, whether or not the government should provide another tax to supplement the homeless industry. And so in my mind, when I'm thinking, well, uh, do they deserve the tax money? You know, it's hard to answer. But if, if I say no, then I seem cruel. So you can, you know, you can manipulate the questions and not and get an answer that people aren't really honestly, honestly feeling. That's not really what they were thinking when they answered the question. So I'm very aware of that. Hotep and Scott talked about that actually in this interview. I, I highly recommend you go listen to, to more of it yourself. But they they talked about that. So the, there is the polling issue. Okay, but I don't think it matters. I honestly don't think it matters because he said what he said. So even if the polling is right or wrong, let's dig into what he said. So let's say that this let's just say that 46 percent of black people don't think it's OK to be white. I do believe that a question like that is manipulated on a poll. That being said, I don't find it hard to believe that 46 percent of of black people would say, I don't think it's OK to be white not necessarily I, that's that question isn't do 46 percent of black people hate white people it is is it okay to be white and guess what it's actually not okay to be white these days everywhere we look somebody's saying it's not okay to be white we tell the kids this is why i ran for school board we're literally educating our kids 
that it's not okay to be white, that you should be embarrassed to be white, that you should be ashamed to be white. So why wouldn't 46% of black people or Hispanic people or anybody who's not white or even white people answer it that way? <laughs> you know, so I don't I don't really find that hard to believe. I certainly come up a lot against a lot of resentment in the black community towards white people. I may have even expressed some resentment myself. Sometimes when it comes to the career field, yeah, it it there is prejudice, there is racism and it does it does take some thoughtful introspection to steer away from resentment. When you're a minority in a majority culture, Hey y'all, this is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle and FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. 
and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So while the poll might have not been the best poll, I don't know. And I actually don't even really care. I don't necessarily find it that hard to believe. So that part I don't find hard to believe. The other part, the other thing he said was he called black people a hate group. Now, again, I I didn't hear him explain his identifying as black. I'm quite sure that's some kind of joke based on how we're all allowed to identify however we want to these days. You can say you're a woman if you're a man, because that's how you identify. So, and he said, you know, I want to identify with the winners. And obviously, culturally speaking, these days, there's not a lot of payoff in um, public image to be white. I mean, there's payoff at the bank, right? There's payoff <laughs> with wealth, Uh in in the in a general aspect, I can already hear I can already hear people screaming at me. I'm from the trailer parks. We have no wealth. I'm just generally speaking. If you're going to talk about who owns the wealth in this country, um, but you know, there's there's no. It's not. There is no longer a pay. Like take Hollywood for instance. It's not right now in Hollywood. No, there's no payoff for being a white man. There's not. When I look about when I look around and see what they're what they're looking at, they are hiring women over men. They are hiring uh, minorities over white men. The men, white men that are there and established are there to stay. But they're not really like opening the door for it's just not popular right now. I, I do believe they'll be back. <laughs> they, you won't keep the you won't keep them down for long. <laughs> they'll be back. But right now it's it's trendy. We're trendy. I hate to say it, but we're trendy. I don't like it, but I sort of understand why Scott's saying, well, I want to, he's saying facetiously, I want to be part of this group that's winning. Now, that's something you can say when you're not a part of the group, right? It is easy to look at at me or the my colleagues on this network, my black colleagues on this network and say, like for, like, and say, oh, you know, to, to be black is to be special and I have to feel ashamed because I'm white and they don't have that problem. And I get that. I do. But it's not it's not that great. Um, we that's just surface level. You know, I, I was I. Uh, I'm selling this book right now and my publisher sent me a media kit. They wanted me to approve the media kit. It's a it's a it's a folder that you send around to media outlets when they when you want them to interview you about the book has a breakdown of who you are what the book's about and what questions they can ask you about the book and I rewrote it because part of what this said was as a black 
as a black woman, the irony is that Kira can say whatever she wants. And, but there are so many other people who can't be honest and can't say what they want. And I, that was written from a white person's point of view. It's like, no, that's not true. I can't, I can't say whatever I want. I'm always censoring myself. I can't, I, well, it's kind of why I have this show. So I can say whatever I want. But when I, when I say as a conservative, as a black conservative, when I say things that are pro-black, or if I talk about issues that maybe white conservatives don't want to talk about that make them uncomfortable. I lose viewers. I lose, I lose clicks. I lose fans. I lose listeners. I I'm not, I'm not immune to punishment for saying things that are unpopular just because I'm black. And it's the same on the other side. They just tell, I can't just waltz into a liberal. I, I, when I was running for school board, everyone was like, just pull the race card. The race card has to be used sparingly people. <laughs> It doesn't work all the time because the left has convinced themselves that if you're not liberal and black, then you're just white. So they just call me white and accuse me of being white or wanting to be white. And then that's the end of the conversation. So I'm just I'm at risk, too. I it's just it's it's a false assumption that I have some bigger uh, some some bigger measure of freedom. I might slight be in a slightly better position to talk about issues of race but i am no different from you in the respect that i am just a, i am vulnerable too my race does isn't all protecting because of my politics and so i think for Scott, it's so it's easy to him for him to look at black people and go, yeah, I want to be a part of that group. But, you know, we look at him, we go, we, 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 we want to be a part of your group. Where you're accomplished, you're wealthy, you're you're you've retired to make videos on YouTube for a crazy amount of money and on your locals page for a crazy amount of money. Like we a lot of us might might look at Scott and say, we, we want to be a part of your, your group. But a lot of us, if we want to be a part of that group, if we, Scott, Scott says, well, it's all about education. I do believe he's absolutely right about that. By the way, that's another thing he's right about black people. We don't focus enough on education. We think we do, but we don't. You can look at other cultures and that that's a centerpiece of their culture is education. And it is not. In fact, for a long time, and this might speak back to uh, Scott's uh, distaste for the 46% of black people don't think it's okay to be white. It might speak back to that. Um, for a long time, we denigrated educated black people. We black people did that to each other. Still happens a lot. Oh, you talking educated, you're fancy, you want to be white. Somehow we got to the point where for many black people being white, being educated was equivalent to being white. So we don't have, have a centerpiece for education and wasn't always that way too. That might be an interesting conversation for another JLTY because it wasn't always that way. It really wasn't. And you look at the, I, I did here on JLTY, I did a little mini JLTY, a little, um, just saying on Fisk, the Fisk Jubilee Singers and, and how all of these HBCUs sprung up and black universities and black colleges 
in after the abolition of slavery, education was hugely important to black America. Something did happen along the way. That's another discussion for another time. So I might agree with Adams's point on that. But I don't think I think what Adams doesn't know about people like us is that We don't get the foot in the door that he thinks we do. A lot of times, if we're not going to play a game, there's no room for us. He gets to go out there in the world and present his comics as this. I'm just a guy writing a comic about how weird and funny and mundane office politics are and working at the offices. But when a black person wants to go out and do that, they have to frame it. Has to be for what's this say about black people? What's this say? And if we don't frame it through the lens of race, then the white people who run a lot of these institutions don't want it. I encounter that on the conservative side and the liberal side. By the way, my liberal counterparts in media experience the same thing, right? There are a few people that I submit articles to and I won't name names, but they don't want it from me if it's not about race. They don't want to hear from me unless I'm talking about race. I don't have the privilege of just opining on something for them. It's either got to be from a racial angle or it's not important at all. They'll go to other white people for the, quote, regu regular commentary on regular things. But if they want some cover on race issues, they want to call me in so that I can say some controversial things and they can say, well, the black person did that, but it's no different on the left. The day Joy Reid stops talking about race on her program is the day she doesn't have a program. So in a way, we're all kind of bound, we're all still kind of bound by in this box with these boundaries. And I don't think people like Scott, I, I don't think he might, he might not see that. So when he jokingly says, well, I'm going to play, I'm going to identify as black because I want to play for the winning team. It's like, it's actually not a whole lot of winning over here. It's still a struggle. It really is. It's still a struggle to be seen as just a productive member of society and not a black productive member of society. I always say, I say it on the show. I said it last week. Perspective is everything, Right. And that's why I don't want it to be be a thing of, oh, we need more black people telling more black stories. It's like we just need more black people telling stories because the perspective is different. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle, an FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. -I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. So what else did he say that really got me thinking? Well, he said, I, I don't want to be a part of a hate group anymore. And, um, you know, again, I think going back to his comments with Hotep, he is trying to be provocative. If I take him at his word in that conversation, he's trying to be provocative. He's trying to start a conversation that maybe 
wouldn't be started any other way. And um, the headlines I have seen from people say, well, he said black people were a hate group, but he was responding to the survey, right? And what he was saying was uh, this survey says, I, again, I'm not going to get caught in the weeds about whether the survey was scientifically pure or not. I'm going to, use to assume it wasn't, but this is this is part of the discussion. So we have to go off of it. Um, if he if he believes that that many black people feel negatively towards white people, um, I, we have to play the what about game. We have to turn the tables. We have to say, if this were white people saying this about black people, would we call them racist? Well, we would. Right? If white people are saying, and, and, and in fact, that is what Scott Adams said, isn't it? He said, well, you know what? We just don't want it. We, just, we shouldn't be around you. If you don't want us, then we'll go far away. We shouldn't be around you. And everyone was like, oh, that's racist. But when black people say, hey, I don't want white people around. We need our safe space. We need our black spaces. I've talked about how BLM is segregating and encouraging segregation on college campuses and in the workplace. We There's show after show after show on, on those topics and those suggestions or demands on JLTY show after show you can go listen to them and I guess we would call white people who did that we will call them hateful in fact we did call them hateful we called them segregationists we called them pro Jim Crow so I don't know that I'm really offended by him given again given if we're taking the poll at its word and and he did at the time of his comments whether or not the poll was 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 conducted scientifically at the time of his comments, he believed the poll to be true, to be trustworthy. And so, no, I, I, I don't, it's, it's not racist to say, I don't, I don't think it, it, I think, I think we would label any other group of people who looked at someone and because of their skin color said, I don't, I don't want to be with you and we shouldn't be together because of your skin color. We would look at those people and we would, we would say they were hateful. And I think that was the point he was trying to, to make. That's how I perceived it. So was he being a racist for calling black people a hate group? Not in the context of his comments. When we listen to all of the comments, it, uh, no, he's bringing up the fact that, you know, that this poll is saying that that these people don't believe that white people are, that it's okay to be white. And that's hateful. So the group of, if the majority or a large portion of your group thinks that, that's, that's a hate group. Now, the flip side of that is, again, regardless of the veracity of the poll, the flip side of that is he is lumping all black people in with each other. Now, he told that to Hotep. He 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 said to uh, Hotep, "Hey, uh, you know, I will think about it. I wasn't really saying that. Oh, go! All black people are bad, or all black people feel this way, or you should separate from all black people." But uh, he wasn't he though. I mean, he didn't qualify his statements. He didn't say when he was talking 
oh, well, some, or hey, we just need to leave those kind of black people alone, or those black people that think this way, we need to, no, he was saying, I, he was saying that, I, I didn't, I didn't quite believe that part of his defense, because he was saying that, he, in the end, he said, you know what, I'm going to stop helping, I've been helping, and by the way, I, I, this is another one of the few things I know to be true about Scott Adams. He, and again, I think this falls in line with his liberal views. He is, he does believe in equity and diversity and not in the way that those buzzwords are used, but in the respect that he really has chosen to use his fame and his fortune to lift others up. In fact, he has put his money where his mouth is. That is the thing that I that I know. So when he says, I'm not helping anymore, he says that because he he has been helping. He has been coming out of his own pocket and making his own sacrifices in the way that he sees fit. So fair enough. But um, you know, he he goes on to say, Well, I'm not why if they if they don't want my help. Why am I bending over backwards? If they see me as a racist, if they see me as a problem just because of my skin color, um, then why don't I just leave it to them to help themselves? What am I doing? Well, that's a pretty, that's a blanket statement. I didn't hear any qualifiers in that statement. When he said, he didn't say, I'm going to stop helping the black people that are, that are like me and want to find a way to reconcile and and reach across the the racial divide so to speak like he didn't qualify any of that so i i think that that defense to hotep was disingenuous um and and if he if he really did mean some and not all that was not clear and again i listened to the entire context of his statements and I didn't come away thinking, oh, he was only talking about certain black people. I came away thinking, oh, he's definitely not calling for some kind of race war or anything like that. I didn't think that. And he made it clear. So as a matter of fact, the, the fact that he made it clear in the statement that he wasn't calling for violence or anger or rage, just saying, hey, you know, you live your life, we'll live ours, we'll stop trying to help. It's not helping you. It's not making a difference. It's making you angry. We'll stop trying to help. He took the time to qualify that. So I would think if he could take the time to qualify that, Maybe he could take the time to qualify that, oh, but I don't mean all black people, but he didn't take the time because I'm not sure that he really meant that and that he really meant just some. I think he was making a blanket statement and then walking it back with Hotep. That's how it, when I dig in, and that's what he is asked to do. That's what he's asking us to do. In fact, that's what he told Hotep. That's what he he has said when he was saying on Twitter and on his own social media. He's saying, I, I wanted to present these questions so that people would dig into this conversation. Not unlike what we do on JLTY. Perhaps we do it a le with less inflammatory statements, but you guys know how I like to do it. You dig into the meat. You have to think through it. And so that's obviously what he's made me do. I have thought through his statements and I'm we're thinking through it together right now. I'm not sure how I should feel about the idea. He, you know, he says, if I'm not welcome, why am I going to keep trying? And 
I, I don't know that that's a wrong statement. I think the people that have a problem, what I've seen and, and the few conversations I've had about this, the people that have a problem, the black people that have a problem with what Scott said, they have a problem with how he perceived the poll. They, they thought that he was basing all of these statements on a flawed poll and that wasn't fair. So they don't like that he was so quick to believe the poll and then make his judgments from the poll. Um, fair enough. I, again, I don't, uh, I'm just not interested that much in <laughs> the poll. I know how polling works and I know that the, a small sample size is, doesn't mean it doesn't always mean that you're not getting the good data. It's whether or not you have good science. So some people think that Rasmussen isn't really doing a great job anymore. And so it's probably a flawed poll, but I don't know. The only way to know for sure, I guess, is to do other polls and compare them. Um, and so if he was just speaking based on a flawed poll, I don't know, then maybe this whole conversation is moot. Maybe everyone should just go on their way and stop being upset about it. But we have to dig into his comments based on the idea that he thought the poll was true at the time. And some people are offended that he could believe that it's true. But again, I pointed out, I don't, I don't think it's that crazy to believe it when he pointed it out in his interview. And I, I think I agree with that. You know, I, I see it all around me. It's one of the things that made me a conservative. I've talked about my aha moment in, on this show all the time where I was in a group with kids and they were chiding me about going on vacation in a place where white people vacation. No, and I'm half white, <laughs> but, but go, chiding me about going to Jamaica where white people go to vacation. And I realized that I had been telling them that, you know, that the that white people don't want them to succeed in this country and they can't succeed because white people are in the way. White people left our city and left us poor. They took all the money. They, I guess they took all the good education and the ability to clean up trash and, you know, with them. I didn't ever think it really through, but I realized that I was telling them on the one hand, they could be anything they wanted and they could get out of this hood if they tried hard enough. And on the other hand, I was telling them, but white people don't want you to succeed and they own all the systems. So you probably won't succeed. You know, I was a part of that problem too, briefly. And so of course I know that it exists. So I don't find it that crazy to think that, that a large portion of black America has been educated and raised to believe that white people are the problem. I don't have the numbers to back that up. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I didn't, I don't find it hard to believe that a guy like Scott would believe a poll like that because I don't find it hard to believe. Especially going through that school board race that I just went through and knowing how our education system is set up and how it works and, and you know, what they're doing to the way our kids think and how they think about each other on purpose. This is the big part of this is why I am such this is why I'm so opposed to critical race theory. Um, and then he went on to mention the videos of black people beating up white people. And he said that made that made him uncomfortable, too. And he's sick of seeing it. And I'm sick of seeing videos of kids beating on each other, period. 
But again, this is one of those statements where I had to step back and choose not to look at it emotionally and choose to dig into it before I had a an immediate reaction. And so as someone who used to be the kid who was beat up viciously at school, particularly on the school bus, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, I can't believe anybody let it happen. But obviously adults are still letting it happen because it's going on in the school bus. But I used to have a couple of tormentors who would do horrible things to me. Uh, one of the things they would they loved to do was beat me over the head with books. And um, just being little, I mean, they were older, older kids. They were teenagers, like juniors and seniors in high school and I was in elementary school and just being little and trying to be brave I would sort of sit there and take it and just pretend like I didn't care that they were hitting me in the head with the books you know uh now it's like what was I doing <laughs> that's so dumb but at, my little brain at the time was like be stoic you know be brave and so I know that these things happen. I've been the victim of, of those things at the hands of, of white people. And obviously there are plenty of incidences where kids of different races beat up on each other. But I, if I dig into what Scott's saying and based on the other comments he made and based on what I think when I see these videos, I, I have to be fair. If the tables were turned and that was a video of a white kid beating up a black kid, our country would been, would be in totally inflamed by it. And the fact that these videos seem to come and go and we're not even allowing the race conversation to come in. The race, our race issues are, are a two-way street. I, I'm afraid, I know, a lot, uh, I say this often, and I know that a lot of black people don't like to hear this because it seems like we're always expecting white people to fix everything. And... I don't know why you would depend on the person who broke it to fix it, first of all. And second of all, I I do see that it's a two-way street. And there are, sometimes there can be an attitude that some that you might feel like you can get away with something with a white person because nobody cares about white people anymore right now. Not publicly speaking. I mean, you know, publicity-wise. I don't know if it's some kind of an epidemic. I don't think it is. Uh, like I just gave you my own story. So I'm not sure that there's some epidemic of black kids going around beating up white kids at school. Those happen to be the videos we're getting. And I'm sure that there are many more videos of kids of other races beating on other kids of other races. Half of this problem is socioeconomic, by the way. It has nothing to do with race and everything to do with the environment that these children are raised in, poverty, uh, broken homes, drug addiction, all of the things that add to a, a disturbed personality in a child or a violent personality or an aggressive personality. It's not like it's inherent to black people or inherent to white people. I really do believe that probably 95% of this stuff is socioeconomic and that's how we should be addressing it. We're not allowed to because race is in every conversation. And perhaps that's what Scott Adams was talking about. He said he's tired of seeing these videos of black kids beating up on white kids, but I don't know how many he's seen. 
I mean, I've seen a couple of like pretty egregious ones. And I have seen some shock. Like I saw a video of a guy in St. Louis walking up to a homeless man and shooting him in the head. I saw a video of a kid in school attacking his teacher because she took away his Nintendo Switch. Seen two videos of kids beating up brutally other kids on school buses. And all those people have been black. And I think if I were a weak thinker, I might think, well, black people are violent and aggressive. But again, I believe that it's socioeconomic, not racial. We already know the economics of the black population in this country, although the situation is improving and the black middle class is growing by leaps and bounds decade to decade. Like I'm watching the Gilded Age right now on HBO. I love if you love those old period pieces. It's a great show about New York City at the turning of the century and how it moved from this sort of old money, old English age into the new era of new money. It's when capitalism really started to kick in for America and create new classes the middle it was really it's really about the rise of the middle class and there's a black character in the show and she comes from a well-to-do family in Brooklyn and Brooklyn at that time according to the show was largely black and it was black middle and upper class so they had the same sort of societal strata that these hoity-toity white folks in Manhattan had and those communities were real again something has happened to us between abolition and the six late 60s and 70s it's it's definitely worth digging into but I'm not going to dig into it now I'm sure a, a lot of you have your own ideas and we've heard the typical talking points on that and I I would like to dig into those talking points but I'm not today I'm already running long um all that to say that there were black middle class communities it was common Jim Crow was not the law in most of America until the southern democrats decided to make it so society was separated and there was racism but there were pockets where the middle class, black middle class and upper class was doing just fine. Anyway, I say that to say, am I going to, would I have seen an incident like this black boy um, bum rushing his teacher and knocking her out, knocking her unconscious? Would I have seen that in the black middle class society of the Gilded Age? Probably not. Would I see that in some of the upper class neighborhoods in Atlanta? Probably not. Am I going to see that? Like, is one of Jay-Z's Jay kids going to run up on her teacher and knock her out for taking away her thing? No, I'm probably not going to see that, right? These these are problems that are more attributed to a socio and economic status than a racial status. I would say 100% so. 100% so. So on that point, I hear Scott's point, and it doesn't even offend me. By the way, I actually wasn't offended by anything he said. I, 
I don't think I cared enough to be offended, to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it. I'm really just, I found it to be interesting and I wanted to think through it all. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50, and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, y'all. This is Allie Michelle. I'm a conservative social media influencer that has been censored by big tech. So I broke away from the restrictions and started a podcast called Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle. My show is a space to have real conversations about the issues that impact our everyday lives without the fear of being canceled by the big tech tyrants. Subscribe to Pillow Talk with Allie Michelle and FCB podcast on Apple, Spotify, 
iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Allie, A-L-I-I. Come check out my show. I'll see you there. Uh, but I, but I again, I think that that comment sort of belies his other intentions that he denies with Hotep. It, it, it's that comment. I think I think what he is saying is he's he's sick of being blamed for black people's problems and that we're never allowed to talk about black people's problems. Right. The things that they can do, things that we can do, excuse me, and talking about them like they're other the things that we can do to better our station in life. And, you know, my husband and I, that's the life we live. That's the life a lot of my family lives. We weren't born into the best of circumstances, but we used education and experience to lift ourselves up of our situations. And now we are creating wealth for our children and then hopefully they'll go on to create wealth for those and we get to start building wealth now with us those were choices we make and those are choices that black people have in communities i think of uh, this is one of the reasons why i choose to serve chose to serve my community so closely and what made me a conservative doing it is that I think a lot of people just don't understand the opportunity of America and what it can give them. And so uh, the people, a lot of people, when they do understand, they run after it. They do chase after it. But sometimes it takes somebody to point it out. Life beats us down. Circumstances beat us down. And we lose hope. Uh, what is opportunity but hope? So sometimes it takes people bringing hope back to depressed communities to remind people the solution is here. But I know this was my father-in-law. Maybe I should have him come on this show because he, he, he would be saying all the things I'm saying right now. <laughs> I have heard him sit in his office and counsel young men and women to be better and do better and not expect other people to make way for them but to go make the way themselves and to stop blaming other people. And I think that's what Scott Adams was saying. I feel blamed. It's not fair. I've done the things I'm supposed to do. You know, I hire the people, I give the money, I support the causes, and yet I'm still the enemy. And by the way, I'm seeing black kids being aggressive out there on video. I'm seeing them knock out people on the streets and, I'm seeing videos of these huge crime rings running into San Francisco, San Francisco stores. And I'm seeing video of kids being each other up on the bus and they're all black. And, you know, you all have a problem. And I think that that statement belies a little more of the attitude that he had. So I think now is a good time for me to end it with what, conclusion I came to at the end of Scott Adams statements. I don't think that he was being completely honest with Hotep when he was having that conversation. I don't think he was trying to be a provocateur or to have a provocative conversation. I think he was speaking something out of hurt and frustration. And he wanted to speak the truth and he knew that it would be controversial to say. But people like Scott and myself, it's our job to say the controversial things. It's what people tune into us for now that it wasn't always Scott's job, but I think he would probably say it is now. 
um, after his cancellation or his first cancellation. And Darvio and I have this conversation all the time about my shows, about topics I want to take on. We, we talk all the time about, should we do this? Could we lose a sponsor? Is, is it okay for me to say this? Will I get in trouble if I address this topic or say this word? And we always have the conversation and we always end with, if we're not truth tellers, who are we? What are we here for? This is our job. It's the same thing I did, Darby will already know this story, but it's the same thing I did when I wrote that article about Candace Owens a couple of years ago. And I was just having such a hard time with how she was dominating the conversation. I was really uncomfortable with some of the things she was saying and how she was representing black people. And I felt she was making my job harder. And I was really concerned with the reaction to, to her as well, from the right and the left. I just felt all, all around uncomfortable. And I had learned, and most Black conservatives will tell you, we learned to hold our tongue about her. Because to criticize her would be to lose your white audiences. So many people. I remember on Facebook, one time somebody thanked on a thread thanked Candace Owens. They had found one of my things and they liked it. Thank you. And they thanked Candace Owens for bringing people like me into the conservative movement because the conservative movement needed people like me. Well, I'm damn near 50 years old. Like I've been doing this as a career for 15 years. And so I was long here long before Candace got here. So there wasn't a thing of Candace converting me. I mean, I don't care that I don't care that anyone, you know, wants to give her credit for a lot of stuff. But all I said was, oh, I've actually been working for 15 years. Candace wasn't the reason that I became a conservative. That's all I said. And like a dozen people immediately were like, you sound jealous. You sound jealous. So that is the attitude that we as black conservatives have to face when we criticize Candace. She has become so beloved by so many white conservatives that to criticize her feels like they're being criticized and people lose their audiences and lose their invitations. Scott, you don't see Scott. You don't want to be us. <laughs> you don't want to be us. We're not the winning team. And um, I wrote the article and I sat on it. And then I finally was like, who am I if I don't tell people what I think? If I don't say the thing that's controversial, if I don't be honest about my opinion, it is literally my job to give people my opinion. And so I have to, there's, there's a measure of bravery. I, I don't, you know, I use that term loosely. I'm not out there saving lives or, you know, going to the Middle East to save widows and orphans, uh, you know, but there's a certain measure of bravery in being able to let your words stand. And that's the risk and the calculation that people like me have to take. And so I know that that is what Scott was thinking too. He, this, is, this is how I feel. I'm angry. And it's my job to be honest about how I'm feeling. And so this is how I'm feeling. I just don't think that he was totally honest in the reason why he said those things. I, I don't know that he was meaning to be a provocateur at the time. I think, and me, but again, I don't listen to him enough 
to know if that's his thing, if that's his shtick, if it falls in line with some of the other things he said. I just don't know. This is what I do know. He said that if you follow me and you're a fan of Scott Adams, you know what I was trying to do. And if you're not, then yeah, probably what I said probably does sound mean or bigoted or racist to paraphrase um, in his interview. But my thing is, is like, if I've got to work that hard to figure out what you're saying in this soundbite culture, you failed. It's not my fault that I didn't understand it correctly when you were saying it the first time. Don't blame me. You didn't communicate it clearly enough. If you were trying to communicate something a little deeper than the way it came off, Darvio and I were texting about this just briefly. I wanted him to hear my thoughts on the show. I didn't want to spoil too much for him on text, but we were, we were briefly texting and he said, you know, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and I will, I'm paraphrasing what he said. I will, but you know, he flew way too close to the sun. And I, I thought that was a great way to put it. I think he flew way too close to the sun with what he was trying to do. Um, I think he explained it much more clearly on Hotep's program. I do think if we dig into the ideas and we like really get in there and suss them out and think them through without emotion, we can understand some of the things he was saying and even agree with them. And that's what he kept saying. Like, nobody's telling me I'm wrong. Nobody's telling me I'm wrong. Well, you know, some of the stuff he's not wrong about. But the whole idea that he did this thing and he was going to create this big provocative moment of conversation in the American dialogue. And we were all just, and finally he was the guy that was brave enough to step out and do it. <laughs> I don't buy it. I, 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 I don't want to say I don't buy it. I, you failed. Look, I'm an intelligent person. I'm non-reactive or I try to be non-reactive. My whole gig on this job, on this podcast is to dig into talking points and to dig through ideas and not be swept away by emotion. And, and even I was confused about what the hell you were saying when you were saying it on your clip. And even when I went to watch the larger context, I still didn't get it. I had to go find other interviews to get it. How many other people are going to do that work? I don't think Hotep was wrong when he said that. Don't you know that there's people out there who aren't going to do that work? And so I'll say this. I don't think it's Scott's job to interpret everything he says for everyone. He said later on in the interview, I didn't play this clip, but when uh, um, Hotep asked him, why, didn't you think about the fringe white supremacist weirdos that you were gonna rile up with that statement? And, and Scott Adams said, no, not really, because they don't really matter to me. So I don't really think about them. And I thought that was a good answer. That was the right answer. That's how I feel, too. You can't be, I hate this idea. It's like, oh, if you say it this way, you're going to, what about this group? It's not my responsibility to worry about how every group, every weirdo freaking group on earth is going to take my comments about X, Y, or Z. I can't be thinking about that all the time. I would never say anything. 
if I had to think about other people. And I think Scott Adams is right, where it's like these people exist, but are they pulling the levers of society? No, they're weird rednecks in a basement. And maybe once in a while they come out with a tiki torch. Like, so I do agree with that. Like, I, I thought I liked what he had to say. He's like, no, I didn't think about it because I don't think about them. I don't think about them either. So I'm never go I never buy the argument because people could say that to me all the time on the show, right? Kira, did you think about the people who would take your, your comments to mean this, that, or the other? I can't. If I thought about those people, I would never be able to speak freely. I can't think about how other people will interpret my words. So I'm willing to give Scott that, you know, that benefit of the doubt or that. support if you will i don't think it was it was it's up to him to decide for the fringe weirdos in their mom's basements you know how his words are going to come off but i didn't appreciate sort of his flippant attitude of well if you didn't if you didn't understand what i said it's because you weren't thinking hard enough about it it's not everybody's job to think hard enough about it and just like, I don't think you should have to think about those white supremacist weirdos in the basement and how they're going to measure your words, you should, you should also extend the same courtesy to those of us who aren't weirdos in our mom's basements and are pretty intelligent people who would hear your words and maybe misinterpret them. Like, don't be mad at us because we misinterpreted them. We heard what we heard, and then we thought what we thought. If I have to ask the questions, do I think Scott Adams is a racist? My answer is no. Based on the evidence that I've seen, I don't know Scott Adams personally. I just told you I don't ever listen to his stuff. I really don't know much about him. Just based on the little bit that I know about Scott Adams and based on these remarks. No, I do not think that Scott Adams is a racist. I think like Darvio said, he flew too close to the sun. He had some bold remarks that did spark conversation. And so job well done in that respect. And I'm it's an interesting conversation. I mean, I've been talking to myself about it for over an hour. <laughs> so it is an interesting conversation. But I don't think he has any right to be upset at people who didn't quote understand the context of his comments. I went back and listened to the whole thing for the context and I still didn't derive his true meaning. And that's not my fault. That's the communicator's fault. All right, well, what did you think of Scott Adams and what he said? Write me, jlty at protonmail.com, jlty at protonmail.com. Write to me, jlty at protonmail.com. If you're going to be at CPAC this weekend in Washington, D.C., you can also hit me up on Twitter, at Real Cure Davis. If you're around, let me know. I'll do a meetup. Maybe we meet up, have a drink, um, go buy my book. Drawing Lines by Kira Davis. Go listen to my podcast, A Very Merry Podcast with Millie Hamilton, or How Inappropriate with Kira Davis. Thanks once again to the Babylon Bee for having me out to their first live show in Fort Worth. It was a blast. 
had uh, the best time. I'm going to go get packed up. And I hope to see some of you in D.C. this weekend. Until we meet, just remember every once in a while, just stop and listen to yourself. I also wanted to say this. I understand Scott's point about, hey, if people don't want to be helped, if we're doing all this work to help this group of people and they don't want our help, they don't like us and they're never going to like us, then we're going to back off. And that's only what makes sense. It just makes sense. Um, and I think that is fair thinking in a secular mindset. I don't know what Scott's faith tradition is, if he has one. Based on those comments, I would say he doesn't. I, I would label him as a secular person, maybe agnostic or atheist. Those are not the words of a man of faith. As Christians, we are called to rise above that. We are called to help people who don't want our help. That That is just that is a command. So um, intellectually speaking, or, or, or I should say, academically speaking, I understood what he was saying. But as a Christian, when he when I was listening to those words, I was thinking to myself, Oh, no, that's not a solution. In in the secular world, if you don't believe in a God, that is a solution. It's a big reason why I think we need God why faith is important, and why God exists. Because I think without God, we don't have the same kind of morals and values. But Christians, as Christians, we are called to serve the people that don't want us to serve them, to love the people that don't want to be loved, to friend the people who hate us, to pray for our enemies. It's not our job to save anybody. And I think maybe that one of the reasons why Scott is so hurt and why he felt that way is because he looked at what he was doing as saving people. And I don't mean that. I don't mean to disparage him. I'm not saying it was a, it was a bad thing or his intentions were bad or that it was even wrong. I think it was right. His instincts were right. I wish more white people would do that. <laughs> looking to hire you know looking to hire black people looking to support uh black causes and black families and black education and black advancement and using what you have through your life and your wealth to do that i love that i wish more white people would do that but that is not what we measure worth by as christians We're not saving people. That's Jesus' job. That's God's job. It's only our job to serve, to serve his people, to serve our fellow man, to serve our communities, to serve our families. That's our job. I know you're tired of hearing the story. I'm going to tell it anyway because it's still the best story ever. But I can remember someone joking with my father-in-law one day about how, oh, you could leave the church to Kira when you retire. The, my father-in-law always felt like my husband would take over the church when he retired. My husband has no interest in being a pastor. He never did. Nothing. I mean, he's 
52 now. So far, nothing has changed in his life to, to make him want to be anybody's pastor or pastor of church. I couldn't even picture it now. But there for a long time, my dad really, really believed that. And uh, so someone was joking, oh, you could just give Kira your church. She's she's a dynamo. I mean, you guys know how, how I am. You know, she's a dynamo. She could probably run the church jokingly. We jokingly. We're, women don't lead the church in our congregation, but and they didn't. But it was a joke. And um, dad laughed and he said, he said, yeah, you know, that that's so true. If there was anybody to do it, it would be Kira, not Mark. And um, and uh, I said, oh, I never, even if I could, you know, even if it was allowable under what we believe, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know how you do it. How do you help people day in and day out? You give so much of yourself. You give up so much of your time. You tell them all the right things, the things that they need to do to be better people and have better lives. Good practical things. You know, don't use drugs. <laughs> don't um, rob your grandmother for crack and just stuff like that. And these people, they they clean themselves up for a little while and then they fall back and they fall back down and then they come back to the church and they throw themselves on the altar and beg for God's mercy. And it's a whole cycle all over again. And time after time after time, you see the same people coming back and yet making the same destructive choices. I don't know. How do you do it? I would, it would make me angry. I couldn't do it. And he said, I do it because I know it's not my job to save anybody. That's Jesus. It's just my job to serve and to show them the love of God. And that's how I view service. And I believe that's how we should all view service, even if you might not view it through the lens of Jesus. It is not your job or your purpose to save anybody. If you look at your service through the lens of saving people, have you noticed that through the lens is my phrase of the day? <laughs> Phrases of the day when I record this podcast. Totally just subconsciously a, a phrase or a word will come back over and over again. But if you look at your service through the lens of saving somebody, yes, you will be disappointed. Yes, you will be hurt because people are awful. We're all awful. We're all lost. We're all scraping we're all looking for validation. We all have holes to fill, needs. We will all fail somebody at some point. We will all disappoint somebody at some point. You will be disappointed by your fellow humans if you go into serving them with the idea that you and your actions are the thing that will save them. And then you will be like Scott where you will say, you know what, if you don't want anything to do with me, I don't want anything to do with you. Why am I bending over backwards to help you? You don't even want to help yourself. And you just want to make me the bad guy. So I'm out. That's a very worldly view. But as Christians, we say, you can look poorly upon me and my God but I'm still called to serve you. So here are the provisions that God has made for you through me. And you can choose to take his hand and repent 
and move towards a life of peace, or you can choose to continue to live in chaos. It's your choice. I don't get to make the decision for you. And while it breaks my heart to see you making chaotic choices, I don't get to decide if you're worthy of my help or not. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, then we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't go stay, it's gonna be okay. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, then we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't go stay, it's gonna be okay. This has been a presentation of the FCB Podcast Network, where real talk lives. Visit us online at fcbpodcasts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.